Okay, I want you to try again. This time you've got to say Views from the Sofa Presents. Go for it. Views from the Sofa Presents! Perfect. So Dave, when we started this podcast, we said we were only going to do it for pay-per-views, but actually there's far too much to talk about from the Dillian White fight, so um, we thought we'd have a nice little bonus pod as a second episode, as you do. So we've been at the pub now for a whole pint, and we haven't talked about the boxing, uh, just so we can make sure we capture all this gold for the <laughs> podcast. So tell me, what did you think about the Dillian White fight? What did I think about it? Um, shock. Sadness. <laughs> I've got to, mate, to be honest. Yeah, um, me too. It was a huge surprise for me. I thought, when I was watching the fight, I thought it was going to be over very shortly, just before the, the knockout. Um, Dillian won every second of every round. Yeah. Um, it, was a- it, was, it was really good. He boxed, boxed really sensibly, boxed at range. Povetkin had no answer. I thought for the second knockdown, I thought it was done. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I thought it was done. I think, unfortunately for Dillian, it was like right at the end of the round, wasn't it? Right at the end of the fourth round. Um, and you'd like to think if it was maybe thirty seconds earlier, it would have potentially finished the job off. Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm just gutted for him to be honest. I, I, I felt similar after the Joshua loss. As I do, as I do for this fight, because I really, I really like Dillian White, and I really wanted him to get a shot, and I think it's, it's a long way back now, yeah. unfortunately. I, I completely agree. I think he's blown it up. It was, it's a mixed emotions, right? Because I'm absolutely good at Dillian White, and I can't believe what we saw. Like, like you say, it was. I thought after the fourth round, it's going to be over in a minute and it was but just not the way I expected and, and, and that punch was an absolute yeah, sickener was, yeah. and I think I looked at it and was going I, I, it took me a few minutes to kind of get like well, certainly a few seconds to get my head around the punch like he was he I was, was waiting for him to get up yeah, it, it just was like, wasn't happening <laughs> oh right it's over and I still haven't I, it was a state of shock so, that, so that's a real like you know a real dampener on the like, on the evening but then on the, on the flip side of it I thought god isn't it good to like isn't it good to have that in boxing? That you you know that fights oh, can 100%, 100%. change on a knife edge like Alexander Povetkin, me and you. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> admittedly, it was a poor start to our predictions where <laughs> we, we got we got both fights completely wrong. Um, yeah, Alexander Povetkin is uh, way past his best. Yeah. and absolutely no chance of winning the fight. There are some big statements that we'll retract, and we'll probably come back to on the second fight, which we're definitely backing White to win. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, no. So it was it was just it was one of those nights where you were like. At the end of it, I couldn't quite get my head around what I'd seen. Mm. Um, and you're right, I feel so sorry for Dillian White. It's just so, so undeserved to, lo- like, to lose his world title fight yeah. without, you know, without ever having it, really. Well, I mean, far worse fighters have fought for a world title than he has. Um, when, when he knocked Povetkin down for the first time, I didn't think that it, he was that hurt, Povetkin. I, I thought no, it, was no, it, was, quite, it, was, it was quite a light knockdown. I thought it was, it was straight up, wasn't but it? But the second one was heavy. That was really like knocked him down heavily, and I thought I thought the writing was on the wall. To be honest, when he came out for the fifth, I mean, even the knockout punch, 
Dylan White doesn't really do much wrong. The only the only thing no. you would say is like potentially maybe let's Pivet can get a bit bit too close because that's the only that's the only chance Pivetkin's got in that fight is getting up close and it working on the inside. Oh, he's got short, short he's shorter anyway. Shorter, he? less like, range. Less, yeah. yeah, so it's it's the only it's the only chance he's got. So potentially maybe you could say that, but I mean it's just one of those. It's just an absolute worldy of a punch that comes. I did say the one thing I would say. I did say watch out for Pivetkin's left hand, and that is that is that is what that is what happened. But if you watch if you watch knockout punch. Pavetkin is absolutely perfect in that moment. He's yeah, obviously he re- he's obviously really hurt. The training, the, yeah, he's obviously really hurt from the knock the knockdown in the previous round. But he comes in close. White's backed up to the ropes. White throws like a right hand, and Pavetkin just slips really classly underneath it, and then just absolutely detonates this left uppercut, and it just it, it floors White, and it hits him like square on. It's just the perfect the perfect shot. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine taking that punch? I mean, it just was a sickener. Well, I'm sure we'll come on to it when we talk about um, AJ a little bit later on. But yeah, I mean, you've got to have some. You've got to have either some a slightly a screw loose for heavyweight boxing, or yeah. very confident in your own ability. That's for sure. But this is when we talked on the first pod. Um, we mentioned about the Olympic cycle and like why why heavyweights boxing and why why Anthony Joshua as opposed to to Luke Campbell or. Um, you know Nicola Adams or Anthony Gogo, and like this is why like you love heavyweight boxing because the 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 one boxer's won every second of of the fight leading up to the knockout, but one perfect punch and it's done, it's it's all over. And we're going to get a rematch. We're Could be on the Anthony Joshua undercard. You think? I would have thought so. I think that makes sense. I suppose it's in Povetkin's court a bit now because that is. I think that must be. I can't be much more than twelve weeks away. No, I think it'll be quite soon. Um, I think the uh, it'll be on the Joshua Pulev undercard. Do you think sure. it will? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it just makes just makes commercial sense. I think for it to be on that. I think the Joshua fight is probably going to be behind closed doors. It'll be a pay per view, and that sells. That's going to help sell that fight massively. Yeah, and and the, and the flip of that is, I think you really going to. Well, I don't think you are going to struggle because people like you and I will probably buy it. But if you're putting Dillian White on. Two weeks before or two yeah. weeks after the anti Joshua fight, yeah. you've got to think. Yeah. You've got to think he's starting to take the. Mm. Well, we've got. Take the we've got between between now and December, you've got potentially Joe Joyce, uh, Daniel Dubois, you've got Fury Wilder, and you've got the Joshua fight, and it's a crowded mile. It's like too much pay per view, basically. You can't have you can't have Dillian White as well. So he's gonna he's gonna be on the undercard of the Joshua fight. I would have thought. Yeah, that's, he, that's a great fight though. Is he winning the rematch for you? Or? I think so. I think. I, I think he's got too much for Pavetkin. I, I, I mean, I, I know we said this before, and I know, I know it's ridiculous to say that having just seen him <laughs> get sparked out. You know, there's every chance. Well, there's there's a chance that Pavetkin does the same again. But for me, I think White is a classier boxer. I think, um, I think it was interesting. I, I don't know if you've um, listened to what Anthony Joshua said afterwards, but um, Anthony Joshua was saying basically, as, as long as I'm champion, Dillian White can have a you know can have a fight with me, and Dillian White. Backed himself and turned down apparently four million quid to fight yeah. Anthony Joshua last year. Yeah. Um, I just think Dillian White deserves another chance at the world title at some mm. point, and I, I don't think it's going to happen until after AJ's fought Fury, probably a couple of times. Um, but you know, if he hangs around, doesn't lose another one, keeps it nice and tidy, he can get back there. What's what's 
crushing for White is that you know if he if he did want to take the Joshua fight in like eighteen months a year's time, it's now two, two million pounds oh. <laughs> rather than four million pounds. If that, yeah. Um, Especially if he's got no fans. I think it's difficult with the with the what Joshua said about him not taking the the shot of Joshua last year. I think as a fan, obviously we're we're not experts, we're just fans of boxing. I think as a fan that is quite difficult to understand why he didn't take that fight. It's four million pounds. But if you back yourself to beat Joshua, Dillian White is not as he's obviously not as big a name as Anthony Joshua. No. But if Dillian White beats Anthony Joshua to the world title, he becomes a massive name. And then like the rematch is a huge fight. He's going to earn loads of money. I just think if you, as a sports person, if you back yourself to... It's, it screams to me that he doesn't back himself 100% to win that fight. If you back yourself 100% to win that fight, why don't you just take it and then win? And Yeah, maybe. I think I think he's thinking more that he's worth more than that, mm. basically. That, that's where I think he's at. So I think... I, think, I, I, I agree with you totally, right? Because you're going to get the money after you beat AJ. Yeah. But I guess the issue is if you don't beat AJ... So you, he could build himself up to the point where he's worth a lot more than that. Yeah. So what did Andy Ruiz get for the rematch? I dread to think. A lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you know there is the money out there, and if you if if Dillian White is the person where you you can't you know you can't question that he's the second best boxer or third best boxer or whatever. There's mm. some serious money, but so you know. Fair play to him. I mean, Andy Ruiz needed all that money in the rematch because he'd ate it all in the build-up to, <laughs> in the build-up to the second fight. So he had to pay off all his food debt. Uh, <laughs> well, well, it's got very targeted very quickly. Right. So anyway, uh, t- tell 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 me, uh, talk to me a little bit though about um, the undercard. So Taylor versus Pursoon. Yeah. I have to say, I think uh, on reflection, having watched the fight back. I'm still not sure I would score it more than a draw, mm. but um, fair play to Katie Taylor and fair play to Delphine Bassoon as well. It, you scored it a draw, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. on the time. Well, yeah, and I scored it 6-4. Um, 6-4. Six four. Six four. Yeah. I th- the, problem with, the problem with scoring a Delphine Bassoon fight is Delphine Bassoon <laughs> is just so relentless. She's obviously, like super, she's obviously super, super fit and um, throws... Just a barrage of punches for the entire time, for the entire twenty minutes of the fight, she's thrown punches, which is quite an unorthodox approach, um, and that makes it very difficult to score because she's throwing so much that you, you're thinking what's landing, what's not landing, and it. For me, when I watched the fight, I thought Delphine Bassoon again was excellent, yeah, and and, and I, I've actually got a lot of time for Delphine Bassoon, but I definitely want to watch her fight again, especially as she's got professional boxing as a hobby, yeah, and she's the weight above where she naturally fights at as yeah. well, yeah, with Katie Taylor, obviously. yeah. Um, I think Katie Taylor just uh, when I was scoring the rounds to Katie Taylor, I was scoring them based on Delphine Bassoon coming in clumsily and potentially not landing as much as she was and Katie Taylor sort of picking her off as she was coming in, which I think she did to some extent. But, you know, if it was it, ultimately, if it finished the draw, you couldn't argue. Uh, it was it was a great fight again. Second, second time they fought, it was really good. What I would love to see now is, and it was, it was mentioned um, on radio afterwards, was it, I would love to see Delphine Bassoon and Terry Harper. Yeah, I think that I would be... I think that'd be a great fight. I think potentially Delphine Bassoon would would, be would a, win that fight. I, to be I, fair. I agree. Well, I think jo- was it it's, so Jonas. I think Jonas beat Harper a few mm. weeks ago. Really, or, or I mean, that was another bit of a, that was a, it was a very Close. questionable decision. Yeah, I think. Was, yeah. yeah. 
Um, not questionable. That, I, don't, I don't mean it like it was wrong. I, I mean it was. You, I think you could have scored it either way. Yeah. Um, so I think I think Harper should fight Jonas again, really. And if she gets through that, then yeah. Delphin Bassoon would be a real interesting fight. And I think for a UK market as well, that fight sells absolutely no problem. We've all seen a fight, Katie Taylor twice. It's an easy measure of where Terry Harper is. I think that's quite an interesting fight to make. And it goes back to what we said before, which is uh, once you get into Eddie Hearn's uh, spotlight, yeah. <laughs> you're basically an Eddie Hearn fighter. Well, Eddie, Eddie Hearn has, uh, although obviously you've got Frank Warren on BT, I think Eddie, you know, you, you would suggest that Eddie Hearn is the big, the biggest promoter in the UK in, in the boxing market. He has the majority of the boxing fans watching his shows. I think if you get on his card, it's the place to be. To be honest. I think so. I, I think there's an element of, I think there's an element in that, and this is probably a really good conversation for a different pod, like for a mm. podcast on the line. We are like Sky Boys in terms of we've 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 got we've you've, we've That's always had we, Sky, yeah. uh, so kind of and and also you know you're a Sky Sports News fan and you kind of fed all of Sky's like proverbial about their boxes and yeah. it's really and you don't get so much of it from the BT perspective. Mm. So so you, you you're probably right. I think probably Eddie Hearn is the biggest. Um, but I tell you what, Frank Lyon's got some boxes. He has. He and has. We'll talk about one of them in part two, shall we? That movie list podcast does exactly what the title suggests counts down unusual, bizarre, unique, and best yet, listener suggested lists. Which movie franchise should be a Lego toy? Who is the best movie, Dave? And as one listener requested, which is the best movie featuring an exoskeleton? For these lists and a host more, find and subscribe to That Movie List Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So Dave, our first two predictions weren't great. Um, If you're listening to this to get educated on boxing and you're betting with us, then We'd like to offer our sincere apologies um, and always bet responsibly, please. Um, my question to you is, Dave, um, who are you picking for the Daniel Dubois fight of the weekend, given that Daniel Dubois is 66-1 to 1 on? <laughs> uh, it's a tough one, Joe. I think I'm going to back Daniel on this one. Um, he's, fighting, he's fighting Wesley Schneider, isn't he? Ex-footballer. Um, I mean, he might as well. He might as well be. No, Ricardo Snyder's. I think is his name. Richard Snyder's. Ricardo Snyder's. Richard, okay. Whoever it is, Wesley or not, um, I think yeah, it's going to be a walkover, isn't it? I, I think the guy, the guy's unbeaten. I think. I think he's unbeaten. He's lost one fight. He's. I've never heard of him. I think Daniel Dubois probably. Um, he just needs to get in the ring, doesn't he? He hasn't fought for a long time. I think it was December last year. He fought the Japanese uh, Japanese fella. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Watched the fight, knocked him out. But he hasn't fought for ages. He's supposed to fight Joe Joyce in April. Obviously, it's called off because of uh, the pandemic. So he just needs to get in the ring, get some rounds, probably a round. Yeah, <laughs> and, probably uh, a round. Yeah, and you know, get back to business. He's got the he's got the Joe Joyce fight on the horizon. Hopefully, that'll be um, at some point this year. He just needs to get in there, get some work, and. Uh, Get it done quickly. Yeah, so it's probably worth giving a bit of um, context around the fight and the card because obviously we haven't got a lot to talk about mm-hmm. in terms of what's happening with Dubois. So, from our perspective in terms of boxing, you get, and from everyone's perspective in terms of boxing, you get kind of BT and Sky Saturday night fight nights where you're going to get one headliner fighting 
fighting someone that's probably not going to be um, a world beater. Probably, probably a fairly clear cut outcome. You might get two kind of middling Brit British people um, fighting for a belt. So that's what we saw with like Terry Harper and yeah. uh, Natasha Jonas a few weeks ago, um, and that kind that kind of level fight. And this so this isn't a pay per view fight by any means. And then on the pay per views, certainly from a Sky perspective, you're going to get probably four or five fights. Um, in normal circumstances where you're going to know the f- fighters, you're going to have yeah. seen them fight before. And and the, and, the, and the Sky Weekend and the Sky and BT Saturday Night Weekend free fights are ones which kind of build up um, boxers mm. to the level where they can then go on pay-per-view. Um, so I think I would I would guess Dubois versus Joyce is going to be pay-per-view. I'm pretty confident it will be. Yeah. Uh, so this is really a taster for fans to... Well, I think, I think the appetite. I think Daniel Duard, Joe Joyce, um, aside from the potential Joshua Fury fight, is the biggest fight in British heavyweight boxing. Obviously, the Fury Joshua fight hasn't been made yet, so clearly that trumps it if it was made. But at the moment, as it stands, that's a, that's a massive fight. The one I'm really looking forward to, if it, you know, if and when it happens, I'm sure it will happen this year. Um, I think it's a really important fight for both fighters because. They're clearly just in that level at the moment, just below the elite. They're sitting below the household names of your, your Whites, your Chisoras, your uh, your Joshuas, your Furies, um, potentially even yeah, potentially even Dave Price. Yeah, you know, they're sitting below. Um, not yeah, there's they are. They're sitting below that level in terms of recognition and um, potentially not class. We'll wait to see. But they're not household names yet. I think that fight elevates them to the next level. Uh, and then we see where we go from there, really. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. We've got um, we're having we've got the age old problem with BT about the number of fighters that we actually know, and it's really interesting. I think that Frank Warren's put in Joyce and Dubois, who I think yeah. is kind of from from I mean, other than obviously Fury, mm-hmm. from a heavyweight perspective, are, are his cash cows at the moment yeah. on against each other. I think it's not. I, I, I'm quite refreshed to see, you know, two unbeaten fighters put in there putting their unbeaten record on the line and, oh, yeah, and actually going who's the better fighter and who's going to step up to the next level and this is what we want to see yeah. we want to see these types of occasions yeah, you had um, you had Nathan Gore- Gorman versus Daniel Dubois uh, for the British title earlier and, and they were both putting their unbeaten records on the line I'm very anti unbeaten record I'd like to be very clear on that I think there's way too much hype on an unbeaten record. Yeah, I agree. And it needs to stop. It's not. It's not for the good of the sport. It needs to. It needs to end. Isn't that you know Muhammad Ali lost five times. It, it, it needs. It needs to end for the good of the sport. You've got. You've got people getting to sort of, you know, get, you've got heavyweights getting to twenty, twenty-one fights. They've never lost, but they've never fought anybody of note. I'd much. I'd much rather see. Yeah, you. Right. I'd much rather see a round robin type situation where Dubois fights. Um, Shazora, White, and Joyce, and like, yeah, he might lose one of those. He might win two of them. That'd be great. It'd be great for viewing. It'd be brilliant for boxing. Two things for that. I feel like you've just named the competition that was that was on two years ago. What was that called? The uh, the Super Eights. You the know, World the Boxing Super Series. World Boxing Super Series. Yes, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. The World it Boxing was... Super Series. Brilliant. You got. You've got. World Boxing Super Series, you've got the bantamweight division, right? You've got you're getting the the semi-finals. You've got Naoya Anue from Japan, who's an absolute monster, versus uh, Nanito Donaire and Zelani Tete versus Emmanuel Rodriguez. Like absolutely unbelievable! It's like the best four bantamweights in the world 
fighting each other and then um, you get a you get a fight of the year from the Ring magazine 2019 because it's the best fighters against the best fighters. Nui versus Dene in Japan on like a Thursday night, absolutely random fight that I managed to find on Sky Sports. It's absolutely unbelievable. Like, I'm, just, I'm all for it. I'm all for it as well. I'm, I'm just giggling about whether um, I just love the idea of um, our uh, podcast producer trying to. If we'd have done this pod, if we, if we'd have done a podcast about those semi-finals. <laughs> Him just trying to write out the uh, <laughs> the synopsis I mean, with those with those yeah. spellings of some of those don't, names. Don't quote the pronunciation, but um, <laughs> you know, I'll like, maybe Google that. <laughs> that. That, but that sort of idea. That's the reason that UFC is mm. doing so well. Is because UFC is governed by the UFC and nobody else, and therefore all the best fight all the best. And boxing gets diluted because they've got like the four the four belts and. You've got oh we don't want to fight you know we're not can't make this fight because it's not fight you know he's aligned to this broadcaster and we're fighting for this belt. Good example of this is the Fury Joshua fight. Okay, yep. so the talk of Fury vacating the WBC belt next year um, because he doesn't want to fight Dillian White. He'd rather fight uh, or Alexander Fetkin for that matter. He would rather fight Anthony Joshua. Amazing. I couldn't care less if the WBC if the WBC belt is on the line. I couldn't care less for the Anthony Joshua Fury fight. No, Everybody knows right. there, there, there doesn't need to be any belts on the line in that fight. Everybody knows that fight is for the is for the best heavyweight in the world, and that, that those sorts of things need to happen more often. But, the, but the, the the point around what we made this last time, I think, about Fury being the lineal heavyweight champion, um, is just it's all about marketing. It's it the is, same. Yeah. It's the same um, with the under, the undefeated records. Um, so I did say there was two points. The first point I've already mentioned. The second point was. Um, yeah, the uh, undefeated record is 100% just a marketing um, thing. And um, the good news is, for listeners, is that we'll be talking about um, <laughs> the early stages of Anthony Joshua's undefeated record <laughs> in part three. So before we do before we do get on to part three, though, just let me ask you a question. Where are you putting Daniel Dubois in the list of UK heavyweights at the moment? Or do you want to just give us your uh, uh, top few? Yeah. I think he's really exciting. I think he's definitely going to be on the world title scene at some at some point. I think the I the pandemic's obviously delayed that. I think if he can keep his undefeated record, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> so that's vital. Uh, I think I think uh, without without the pandemic, potentially he was maybe in the mix late next year. I think that's now going to be uh, delayed even further because we've got um, we've got the the Joshua Fury fights hopefully to happen next year. Where do I put him? Uh, it remains to be seen. I think you need. You can't. I don't think you can judge him yet from his resume in terms of who he's fought. The Joyce fight would be a really good gauge for me. I think he should beat Joe Joyce. Yeah. For me, I think he's the. I think he's the better fighter. So I would expect him to win that fight. But it's a significant step up from what he's fought so far. So that would be a good indicator. If I was to put him in the mix right now, well, I'd have. Um, I'd have Fury and Joshua obviously the top two. Yeah, quite clearly. And which way are you going on that? Um, Just for devil's advocate. Well, I said to you the other day that I think Joshua will beat Fury in the first fight, which I think is an unpopular opinion. Yeah, no. And, and, and potentially this is a conversation for yeah. I'm for just, I'm just, just wanted to be really clear on your so clear I'm, on your top on your top because, few because I'm anti because I'm anti unbeaten records. I'm going to put Anthony Joshua as number one, uh, and and Tyson Fury as number two. I mean, it's obviously very close. Number three, I'm still putting Dillian White at number three. Um, and then after that, you could make an argument for Daniel Dubai at number four, potentially. 
you might put old Derek in there, maybe. Yeah. Um, Derek Chisora, Daniel Ruart is a is a exciting fight potentially to happen. Yeah, I'd put him. I'd put him. I'd, I'd put him happily at fourth, maybe fifth behind Derek. But he's he's in that sort of category for me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm. I, I can't. I can only fault you on a few minor points there. So, um, Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in Britain. Um, Anthony Joshua second, and that is a big statement for me because I am a massive Anthony Joshua fan. But yeah. I mean, just got to. I, I just I think realistically, Tyson Fury is showing his class at the moment. And then you got Tyson Fury, and then you got Anthony Joshua. I think what you said. A, about the rest of it, it's absolutely right. So for me, I've got no time for Joe Joyce. I think he's really, really average, which is quite a statement, but I think he is. Um, I think Dubois beats him, and I think Dubois then moves on to the next level, and I think he also probably beats Chisora in a yeah. year's time, um, six months, a year's time. I don't think he'll fight him straight after Joyce, but I think he does. And then I think there's a really interesting fight around uh, Dubois versus White, for maybe the back end of next year, I think that's a really, really interesting fight. For kind of, you know, if you've got Fury and um, you've got Fury and uh, Joshua fighting, who's the who's the next? Who's next? It's exciting though for British heavyweight. Yeah, isn't it it? Is. The, Brit- the British heavyweight title is a big belt. Now, you yeah. know, if you're the British heavyweight title holder, that is a big statement because there are some there are some big names out there. You know, I could I think there's it's clear that Joshua and Fury are the class above. Yeah, absolutely. But I think below that level. It's just an absolute cauldron of like, if you made all of those fights against all of those fighters, I think any of them could beat any of them. I think Chisora Joyce is a really interesting fight. So I think that'd just be an absolute war slugfest. Uh, like I said, like you said, White Dubois would be interesting as well. Um, but but it's clear. I mean, what White Wilder as well? I know. I know. I think what we base what we're saying is we want to have a um, what we want to have is a. Uh, another boxing super series where yeah. one side of the draw is white, the other side of the draw is Wilder, and then chucking, chucking Joyce, chucking Dubois, chucking Chisora, chucking maybe Price from the UK, and then whoever Luis Ortiz or a number a number of others, uh, and you can have a real, it would, real it would never interesting, happen. interesting tournament because it will never happen. It would never happen because it doesn't make financial sense because because of the unbeaten record situation. I wish that wasn't the case, but. Unfortunately, it is. Hey guys, this is WWE NXT superstar Dominic Dijakovic, and I want to give a shout out to the Wrestling Predict Cast. And this amazing podcast picks the winners of pay-per-view matches and sees how the uh, the outcomes turn out. I think it's an awesome podcast, and you should definitely tune in. Be sure to feast your ears on the Wrestling Predict Cast. So, Dave, you've told us that um, undefeated records are pointless uh, and only for the purposes of marketing. So, let's talk about how Anthony Joshua got his undefeated uh, record <laughs> <laughs> with uh, fight two against uh, a game Paul Butlin. I hear you've been um, corresponding with Paul directly. I have, yeah. Uh, so, tried to get tried to get uh, our first special guest for the podcast. Contacted Paul, uh, stalked him on Facebook. <laughs> Found out that he's a bailiff, right now. Uh, retired and he's a bailiff I uh, contacted Paul on Facebook and he I said can we give you a call and chat to you about the time you fought Anthony Joshua your preparation for the fight etc and he said any he, resp- he replied I was quite surprised yeah, I was quite surprised to be fair he replied he said uh, he said yeah it's absolutely no problem mate not a problem not a problem at all uh, messaged him again is that, what, is that what he said I don't, that's quite, yeah, quite a detailed was, message he said he said I'll get up 
he said, said okay he said, mate yes no worries mate couple, a couple of thumbs up emojis so ringing endorsement from my and I was like yeah that's brilliant Paul's probably thinking oh I've not heard of uh, from the canvas podcast I'll uh, I must be sounds, that sounds quite exciting yeah Pretty quite legit. exciting I'll go and google that he's obviously gone and downloaded the podcast and after that decided that perhaps he doesn't want to get involved because uh, I've messaged him since twice in the week uh, to no avail unfortunately we, we, I would have met his fee as long as the fee was less than £10 <laughs> <laughs> I was I was telling this out. I'm just gonna just gonna contact you about um, about your preparation for the fight and uh, you know what your thoughts were and how you were gonna approach winning the fight. And I think uh, potentially maybe yeah didn't want to share so the secrets of the trade, but um, he yeah he's not got back to me unfortunately. I hope, I was hoping to call him tonight, but it's uh, it's not worked out. See, I really worried at one point that you were gonna do the opposite. Like uh, so, listen. Obviously, watch, we watched the fight back, the second fight. That's Joshua Hatton. We'll come on to Joshua in a minute. Um, but I, I, when, it, when I found out that he was from Melton Mowbray, I thought, oh, that's a relief. Because I thought, Blumenek, if, he, if he's from like Birmingham, there's a good chance I'm going to turn up at the pub today. And, like, Dave's going to be sat next to some burly bloke, going, "You need to buy like, you need to buy me and you a pie and him three pints." <laughs> Joe, this is Paul. I'm like, oh, that's uh, that's not what I expected. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, not. I was hoping to get a little <laughs> a little telephone interview with him. Um, but it didn't. It didn't work out, unfortunately. Uh, you know, hope, I'm going to try future pods. I'm going to keep trying. Um, ever hopeful. I think the next guy I've got to contact is some Czech guy. Yeah, I think, <laughs> um, I think it is. Might be difficult, but uh, we'll, we'll see how we get on. We'll see how we get on. The, the, the only other thing I've got to say, just on that point, before we uh, before we talk about the fight, is I'm. I was reading uh, Anthony Joshua's Wikipedia today just to get like just to make sure because what I, what I don't want to do is turn up and. Me and you start talking about the fights, and maybe what maybe talking about the third fight, and you talk <laughs> yeah. about the second because yeah. I can definitely see that happening. Um, one of um, the views from the sofa's other podcast is um, the Movie List podcast, and that is an excellent podcast. If people, but people should definitely listen to it. But there is um, multiple times where. Dave and Ben, who are the two co-hosts, uh, interpret the list very differently, and I worry that we could absolutely do that with the fights that we watch. Um, so anyway, I was reading through, I was reading through Wikipedia, and I got to the, got read the first fight, yeah, and then read the second fight. Like Paul Butlin, great, I've definitely got that confirmed. And I thought, oh, don't read any more because you'll spoil it. And I thought, well, <laughs> spoiler alert. Pretty sure I know. I mean, I'm pretty sure I know what happens. He probably wins. So, let's talk about Paul Butlin as Anthony Joshua's second opponent. So, uh, 33 fights. Yep. Yeah, yeah. 19 losses. Yep. And what was really interesting was when he, um, in the first round, because obviously the commentators like to, in the early AJ fights, give you a lot of information in the first rounds because it isn't going to go very long and sort of start, it feels like they're starting on a list of like, here's the most interesting point and kind of working their way down. And with Paul Butlin, they... They talked about all the people they'd fought. And it was, honestly, they were talking about it for like, I don't know, like probably 20 seconds. And they named Derek Chisora, who yeah. fought twice. And I yeah. was thinking, this guy's good. Yeah. And then it kind of, it kind of summarised the kind of level that AJ was fighting at that point when they said, but of course he's lost all of those all fights. Of those fights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's fought this guy that fought for a European title. And he's fought this guy that eventually fought for a world title. He's fought Delboy twice. And you're like, okay, brilliant. But he's lost all those fights. <laughs> right, so... He's not looking good coming in against the Olympic gold medalist. I think uh, Paul Butler is the perfect, the perfect fight for Anthony Joshua at his early stage of a career. Season pro, he's has you know thirty odd fights or whatever. One, one a fair number. You know, he's not he's not coming in with two wins and thirty losses. He's coming in with a 
you know, 14, 13 wins and 19 losses or whatever. He's a perfect fight, isn't he? Yeah. He apparently should have been the first fight. So he was asked to, he was asked to fight him for the first fight. And uh, it turned it, it turned it down, and then this fight was three weeks later, and accepted. So I'm not, I'm not sure what I'm not sure what happened in the interim. Um, but, even, uh, even, oh, this guy, this guy, I could probably knock out. Oh, might be more of a challenge than I thought. Paul Butlin gives it the big one in the build up to the fight as well. He says, "Oh, Anthony Joshua's slow on his feet. Um, you know, <laughs> gonna gonna really expose him." Um, I think it was a big ask uh, to do that. Is another classic one where Anthony Joshua and his opponent were. Two pounds different, I believe, going into the fight. <laughs> Yet again, very different body, body shape and mass. Like it was, it was quite, quite significantly different. I mean, before we slag off Paul Butlin too much, let's let's be clear. You and I have never boxed, and you know, fair play to him. Um, he's had thirty-three professional fights, and a lot of hard work has probably gone into that. Yeah, and you know. I'm speaking on behalf. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of. Anti Joshua, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not on behalf of myself. I don't yeah. want to. I mean, Paul Butlin. I'll, I'll. You can, you can improve your record if you want to have a fight because I will forfeit. Um, <laughs> but no, no, it's okay. So, so the fight itself, right? Mm. We both watched it back. The first f- minute, I thought Paul Butlin. Well, the the first minute highlighted to me how durable Paul Butlin was. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, the first. Are you amazed that he managed to sustain like his feet after the first forty-five seconds, where AJ just unloaded, unloaded, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and just kind of tested him and didn't really put that much effort in, but was throwing some absolutely brilliant jabs, mm. and you could see like I, mean, I think I think it was this fight when I called AJ to be an eventual world champion. <laughs> Here we go. Where we have where we have seen evidence from uh, podcast producer Ben to say that did happen. No, no, no. no. We'll say. Forget Ben. I haven't seen this tweet. I still haven't seen this tweet. This tweet, we've been talking about this tweet for about five years. I've never seen it. It didn't happen. I'm, I'm convinced that there's no evidence, mate. I've never seen The good news is that for podcasts going forward, I can say that that happened in the past now, so all good. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, so we were, so so the first 45 seconds, Paul, Paul Butlin, unbelievably durable. The first... The first like two minutes, he's basically taking sustained punches from Anthony Joshua. Which, I mean, I won't take sustained punches from anyone, let alone Anthony Joshua. Um, and then, and then about two minutes, he throws about four punches, uh, and you think, "Wow, yeah, like fair play to you for like anger in the beast." Actually, throwing back. Yeah. <laughs> um, like funny story, I, I can't remember how long this fight went. I can't remember if it was like two or three round or whatever. So anyway, I watched the first round, put it on. Put up, pause it so I can go and uh, make my daughter her like pudding, and then um, come back to it. And I needn't have bothered really because the fight was over almost immediately in the second round um, with a uh, sort of almost like a like a left faint. Like, he did catch him, I he think, did, with yeah. a left, yeah. Yeah. and then an absolutely destructive. Ride. I think this is um, this is very different to the knockout to the Emmanuel Leo fight for the first fight, mm. where I think you know Joshua's clear is just too much for Emmanuel Leo, and he and he, he hits him with. With several punches, wears him down, and, and you know it's a heavy knockout. But there's not the um, the show real element to the knockout. Yeah. Where whereas with this one, this is a hundred percent a show real knockout. You're quite right. He just faints, catches him with the left, and then the overhand right lands absolutely flush on like the brow, doesn't it? Like absolutely yeah. clean on like but cuts him. Like yeah, cuts him bad. Cuts him yeah. bad as well. I guess up to be fair, 
Yeah, he does. Like, he does. He gets, I mean, to be to be fair, should have been. I think he was potentially almost stopped it, in the first it, it round. Should have been done. He, he potentially he potentially was stopped in the first round. Did really well to get to the stall. Comes out for the second round. Obviously, AJ knows he's hurt him. He he, he shows some really good boxing now. She's quite right. Just clutches him with the left. Massive overhand right. Go and it's a it's like flush on the eyebrow. It cuts him badly. He goes down. Makes the count somehow. Yeah, I, I mean, fair play to the guy because like he also came. Up, I always think this. I always think this with like these guys, like on these early fights. He's got. He, he's so he's taking this flush shot to the uh, to the face. It's cut him. He's gone over. He's close to being unconscious. But there's like so much guts and determination shown to get up there because you know you're not going. How you can't be getting up thinking. Oh, I'll make the count because I'm still in this. Like you know, you know you're going to lose the fight. Can I can I make it? Can I make it? Can I make a bold, bold statement? I reckon they're getting paid. I reckon there's I reckon there's an element of being paid by the round. I don't think it's much, right? Yeah. If you say he's getting like he's getting like ten k for that fight, mm. is he getting an extra k per round? Essentially, just yeah. throwing yeah, it out possibly. there, and then and, we don't know, and you yeah. could say that quite a that's quite a motivation. It is, you yeah. know, for every hundred percent, if you can get up and you can just survive another round, you get an extra thousand pound. Mm. Well, that's you know. At the level that we're, we're talking well, yeah, about at the I moment, that wouldn't surprise me. And, you know, it, these sorts of things happen all the time, don't they? In, in boxing and these sort of, you know, the contracts and the, the clauses and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's an element of that for, for sure. Um, but I, I just from a just from a sort of um, guts and determination point of view, fair, yeah, play, fair, fair play, play fair play to getting up because it's not like you're you're going to lose like a match. It's not like you know football or whatever where you 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 four nil down at half time and you know you're going to lose. In boxing, you're getting hit like you're actually you're actually taking like physical punishment, um, and to get up from that was was fair enough. I think to be honest, it was it should have been waved off anyway. Oh yeah, it should have been. I think I think when he got up, I think when he got up, he, you know, he, I mean, watch the watch the footage back, right? He gets up. He's not right immediately when yeah. he stands up. So he, he like he stands up after four seconds, wobbles around a bit. Then when Howard Foster goes and checks, you know, push down his gloves, push back up. Obviously. Yeah. I think at that point he's okay, but four seconds. Does he ask earlier, him to walk, walk, walk towards no, him? No, just push his gloves. Just, yeah, but I think four seconds earlier he is mm. not right, mm. and I think he he kind of gets up and then stabilizes and then goes for it. And I think it's, yeah. I think um, you, you could have waved it off then. Yeah, I think so. If we move on to the kind of the end of the fight, the wave off. There was a there was an element of Anthony Joshua through, I think a right and. Um, Paul Burton kind of ran away from it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. no, there's definitely no hundred percent. And I, and I, I don't happened. mean to be. I mean, I mean, I would, I would hundred percent do the same yeah. thing, right? But I think he kind of ran away from it because yeah. he was just done. Yeah. And they threw uh, the they threw the towel in and the ref waved it off at the same point, which makes you think probably they got that got the timing of that right. Yeah, yeah. Whether you needed to carry it on beyond it, the yeah, knockdown, get, I'm not when sure. He, when he gets to the stage where the the boxer is like turning away from the fight, then it's, it's over, isn't it? It's yeah. Running away, yeah. Forget, 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 um, forget going forward with it. It's, it's done. Um, but yeah, he, did, he he performed admirably. I thought for, from a Joshua perspective, for that fight, was perfect for him. He got like he went a, went beyond a round, got a couple of rounds in, but the. From him, from like a, a marketing point of view, we're on to the marketing, the unbeaten record. From a from marketing point, you know, of I've got a degree in marketing. Uh, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah perfect. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, somehow, it's one hour a week, mate. <laughs> yeah, somehow <laughs> scraped. Uh, what was it, uh, Desmond or? Nah, T one, mate. Uh, fair, fair enough. 
Um, Quite a long way down the list of two ones. But <laughs> <laughs> I was going, like, going into the final year of the third, and then thought I'll do some work. Uh, yeah. um, I think no, I think I think from from a marketing point of view for Joshua, it, uh, it's perfect because he gets he gets to show show real knockout. You know, you know that you know that that right hand that cuts Paul Butlin. You know that's going to be shown on Sky Sports News the next morning over and over and over again. Yeah, um, it's going to be shown the third fight over and over again. You just build up that persona of I'm invincible I've got a massive right I can knock anybody out that sort of it's all part of brand Joshua isn't it and it was perfect cool so I'll finish with two, th- two thoughts alright the first one is after the fight Anthony Joshua goes on the mic and he's talking about his next fight and he goes well I think I've got two and a half weeks to prepare for the next guy and it was it, it was three weeks from the fight to fight but it was like he obviously going to have like a day off and then go back and fight another one you're like fair like you know that's quite a, that's quite a schedule because yeah, it's only a couple of weeks after the first it one. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah, so he's obviously getting through them. They're just giving him a bit of no hopers, building up this um, this this, record. <laughs> this marketing record. Yeah, <laughs> and to be fair to him, like why not? You know, you you, you are putting your career on the line a little bit mm. against Paul Butler. Now you should be destroying them, but you just take an Alexander Povetkin punch yeah. when you're the. Well, I don't know. I think I think from like the unbeaten record standpoint. Not to harp on too much we've spoken about it already, but obviously this is early on. It's different. It's different. You know, it's fine to get to ten zero and fight like relative novices, but it's, it's beyond that. That's the issue. And what what made me? And then the second point for me. Yeah, always doing two points this podcast. Yeah. The second point for me, what I really liked is when I um, found out that what he does is he does like they were doing four, they were doing like four rounders, four rounders, six rounders, six rounders, eight rounders, and so on and so forth. Right. So he goes in, he fights one and a half rounds with Paul Button, who is basically just for essentially a punching bag yeah. a very durable and very impressive punching bag mm-hmm. but a punching bag then he goes back and he does the other four and a half rounds that he's due with his trainers so yeah. he goes and fights in fight conditions someone swinging go and have go and have sparring and get yourself really really fit and you can see that he's just honing his skills and actually the punch he threw um, against Paul Butler really like stepping it up even even at this shows, even shows at this early level. stage from a from a training perspective, but also from a uh, a brand perspective, Sky, Eddie Hearn, um, Rubber Kraken, everybody knows Joshua is their golden ticket, and if we can get him through through to British title, world title, we've got an absolute monster on our hands. Proved to be the case. Thank you for listening to the From the Canvas podcast brought to you by the Views from the Sofa Network. If you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to get involved in the conversation? Then search for From the Canvas on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.